So this morning is uh, Mother's Day as we celebrate uh, here in the United States. And uh, 108 years ago, 1914, uh, President Woodrow Wilson, after an act of Congress was passed, signed into law the proclamation that the second Sunday of May here in the United States would be a day to, quote, public, uh, publicly express our love and reverence for our mothers. So today, I'd like to go ahead and uh, give a Mother's Day Sunday School lesson. So this is, of course, in honor of those that are mothers uh, or even aspiring to be mothers, those that... Um, had mothers, <clears throat> okay, just checking to see if you're awake. <laughs> so there is something applicable to all of us today. Um, I'm going to give you one guess as to who uh, the, my favorite mother in the Bible would be. It's kind of hard to see that picture, but <laughs> I'll give you one guess. That's my wife, those that know her name, Hannah. Okay, so let's turn to First Samuel chapter 1. And uh, we're going to look at Hannah, a model for mothers. It's not easy to be a mom. Motherhood is a special privilege and a sacred duty. A mother's love is special and unique, but a mother's duty is to raise a child to follow and serve God. There was once a mother that was talking to an old college friend and said, I remember before I was married that I had three theories about raising children. Now I have three children and no theories. So it's definitely not an easy task. But today we want to look in these first two chapters of 1 Samuel to identify some important traits of a woman of faith. And as you can see the slide, a model for mothers. So let's look first of all at chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2. Now there was a certain man of Ramathang, Ramathang, Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. So you know the story um, of First uh, Samuel, First and Second Samuel about, uh, and we're just going to go through these uh, two chapters today. But Elkanah, uh, who was this man? Well, we know that uh, he was actually a Levite or a Kohathite, um, and this was, uh, the Kohathites were the most honorable of the tribe of Levi. Now, the tri tribe of Levi, we know also is where uh, the priesthood came from. So we see Elkanah, and it says that he's actually, later on, he's going to go worship the Lord in Jerusalem. So he's not actually a priest that is serving in Jerusalem. They are living in this uh, town. It's a long name there. It's actually just a longer form for Ramah. Uh, many of you may have heard of the name Ramah, uh, which is fairly close to Jerusalem, but it's in the countryside. And so uh, this particular man was a country Levite. Uh, there was no particular office that he had that required him to be uh, in presence at the temple at all times. Um, we see here that uh, as we progress here, this man uh, had two wives. Now, we know that uh, that's not how God intended it from the beginning. Uh, one man, one woman, one lifetime. And as you can see, this family, unfortunately, uh, became a divided family in the midst of difficulties that we're going to see about Hannah's real problems. 
Um, these divided families, a lot of times with multiple wives, there was guilt, there was grief, there were other issues uh, because of this situation. This was not how it was meant to be. And we know that um, Elkanah tried to make uh, a, good, uh, uh, a good situation out of a, or a bad situation. Uh, he tried to take his family to worship. We see in verse 3, uh, as we move forward, this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and a sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. He tried to do what was right uh, in leading his family in worship. But there were real problems that Hannah had. You know, sometimes it's easy, easy for us to think of uh, heroes from the Bible as somehow different than we are, that they don't experience the difficulties of life. Uh, we might think it's tough to relate to them because their lives were so perfect and their culture was so different than ours, so that it's really hard to relate. But actually, the Bible is filled with real people, with real problems who face them with real faith. And so, we look, moving on in this passage, we can see in verse 2 that Hannah had no children. The other wife, Penina, had children. Um, let's move on and uh, look at verses 4 through 8. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he, came, uh, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So we see here the situation in this family. Um, I'm not sure, and we don't know for sure, if the reason for the jealousy and the, the spite that was going on was because uh, Hannah could not have children, but she gained the love of her husband, so Penina, the other wife, mocked Hannah, or if it was just that Hannah was barren, and because of that, Elkanah felt sorry for his wife and, and showed her more love. There's a danger, obviously, in playing favorites, and obviously a danger in having more than one wife uh, in this particular case. But we see here that Elkanah wanted to do the right thing with his family. He continued to express devotion to the Lord. Uh, he felt it important to continue uh, to worship God. Now, their family was not perfect. Obviously, we just saw some of the issues, some of the internal struggles in the family. Yet Elkanah uh, he continued to want to do what was right as far as worshiping God. Um, Matthew Henry um, said that Elkanah wouldn't let the division stop the worship. He said, if the devotions of a family prevail not to put an end to its divisions, yet let not the divisions put a stop to the devotions. So the more you continue in God's word, the more you bring your problems before the Lord, uh, he will help you and he will work out those situations. <clears throat> Elkanah, he tried his best to encourage uh, Hannah. Uh, we see here at the end of verse 8, he said to her, Am I not better to you than, all, than many sons? Um, I think he was trying to make her feel good, but in a way it almost sounds kind of prideful. You know, I'm, you should love me because aren't I better than all these kids? And we do see a difficult situation here. She did have real problems. In her heart, uh, she wanted children. Um, she, uh, going before the Lord, um, 
They went up to the house of the Lord. It seemed like this difficult situation got worse as they went. Maybe because back home they, they kept the, the wives separate somewhat in the household and so there wasn't as much interaction. But the Bible says that when they went up to the house of the Lord to worship, this problem became even worse. Uh, maybe because of that close proximity uh, one with another. She had uh, a real problem. She wanted children. This was a great heartache for her. She wanted to be a mother and yet was not able to. Maybe you know some that have been through that situation in years past, or maybe you yourself have gone through that, and you have poured out your heart before the Lord in tears. It grips your heart to see the tears of a woman who wants to be a mother so badly. So she had real problems. Um, I guess I did put a picture with each one. There's a picture, of of course, with Penina in the background uh, mocking uh, Hannah there. So what did Hannah do about these problems? Well, she expressed her dependence on God through prayer. If we continue on in verses uh, uh, 9 through 18, we can read here, So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. So Elkanah, in his supposedly gentle or kind way of reproving his wife, saying that, you know, you should love, uh, you should love me. I'm better to you than all these children. That pushed her to do the right thing. And what did she do? She went uh, before the Lord in prayer. She gave a vow to God here in verses 10 through 13. As she expressed her problems, she didn't shut down or lash out at those that are around her and, and pray that God would judge her husband and judge the other wife and, and whatnot. No, she wept before the Lord. She expressed her faith in prayer. She went looking for God in the temple and waited for God to answer her prayers. Sometimes God uses our problems to get our attention and to tell us about his plan. In this particular prayer, we see not only did she vow a vow, what did she say? She said, I am giving, if you give me a son, I will give him back <clears throat> to you. And this, uh, and the vow says, all the days of his life. Some would say, wow, that's pretty desperate prayer to say that she would give this son, if God were to give her one, 
to the, back to the Lord all the days of his life. Also, there was a Nazarite vow that was involved here as well. There, there shall no razor come upon his head. This showed the utter and complete devotion that Hannah was, <clears throat> that she had before God, but also that she wanted to give her son to God. There was a warm and lively devotion in this prayer. And as she prayed, she wept. Her prayer was mingled with tears. Her prayer was very particular, yet modest, coming before the Lord and, and saying, just pouring her heart out, saying, God, I really want children, and I want to give the first, my firstborn back to you. She spoke softly so no one would hear her as she prayed. She wasn't trying to make a scene. Yeah, it's interesting that Eli, the priest, was watching her, and he could not hear her in her prayers, and he thought that maybe she had drunk too much wine and that she was uh, drunk. But she said, no, I'm not drunk. I'm simply pouring out my petition before the Lord. She said in verse 16, count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial. I'm not one of these common women that are just uh, out partying and drinking and all that. No, I am going before God. I have spoken to him. I have brought before him my real problem. She expressed her dependence on God in prayer. As she left, it's interesting to see in verse 18, she said, the woman, uh, it says, the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. So she left happy. Why is that? Because she committed her problems to the Lord. She rolled over her issues and problems to God. Are we not encouraged to do that ourselves in prayer? Be anxious for nothing and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make our requests known unto God. We're to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. This woman, Hannah, understood that she needed to depend on God and that he was her only answer to her difficulties and her problems that she was experiencing. She expressed that complete dependence on God in prayer. <clears throat> we also see in this uh, model of Hannah here, a model for mothers, Hannah experienced God's provision. Let's look at verses 19 and 20. And they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah's wife and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore, it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. So as this family continued on and before they even went back home, we see that they did the right thing. They worshiped the Lord once again. Um, as they returned back to their house, uh, verse 19 tells us uh, that they got up, they worshiped, they went back home. Short time later, Hannah was able to conceive. God heard her prayer, and she was able to give birth to this son and named him Samuel. Why is that? It says here, because I have asked him of the Lord. The, the, the name Samuel sounds like the Hebrew word for God hears prayers or asked of God. Or God has heard. Those are all variations of that name. Every time she called her son's name from that point on, she would remember, I prayed and God answered. God heard my prayer. 
she not only gave a vow to God in verses 10 through 13 of giving her son back to the Lord, but she gave her son to serve God. Samuel was asked of God and at the same time was dedicated to him. We don't know the exact age. Um, Obviously, she said that she uh, wanted to wait to wean the child uh, before she gave him back to the Lord. We don't know the exact age, but from an early age, Samuel was taught to worship God from his, in his own home. And she, uh, from an early age, was expressing to him, I'm sure, you know what, I have dedicated you to the Lord. And at some point, you're going to serve God. She gave her son to serve God. How willing are we to give up our children to serve God? How many of us have prayed that God would use our children to serve him at some, at some time? God gave his son for us to pay the price for our sin. She was willing to give her son back to God in, prom- in answer to her vow um, to serve God. As we move on also uh, in verses 21 through 28, it says, And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah her husband said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou, hast, thou have weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Hannah kept her promise. The promise was, if God, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. She not only gave him up to serve God, but to worship God continually in the temple. So after Samuel was born, Elkanah once again went up to Shiloh, as was his yearly custom, to worship God uh, with his family. But this time, Hannah asked to stay back and uh, to take care of her son Samuel. So she dedicated herself to her child, nurturing him, nursing him, um, and taking care of him until it came to that age that he would be ready uh, to actually go physically to the temple. She presented her son with a sacrifice here in verse 24. Uh, she took him up and also the, the established sacrifices, the three bullocks. Uh, some would say maybe Samuel was three years old at this point because uh, she was not able to go up to worship during that time. So one bullock for each of the years uh, that she stayed back in Ramah. Um, she brought this sacrifice before the Lord She presented Samuel with a grateful acknowledgement of God's goodness in answer to her prayer. It was not, we don't see any complaining here on her part that I want to keep him. He's my son. No, she had given him to the Lord and she was fulfilling her vow willingly. 
She presented him with a full surrender of all her interests in this child unto the Lord. We know that Samuel did his part as well, even at a young age. The end of verse 28, it says, And he worshipped the Lord there. Who is the he referring to? The child, Samuel. So even from a young age, Samuel worshipped God. That should not be unusual because of all the time spent and invested in his life and training him to love God with all of his heart and serve him with his life. He said his prayers, and he continued to worship God there in the temple. Uh, in verse uh, 28, we see the word lent. Uh, this actually, you know, usually in English we talk about lending somebody something. That's uh, giving it to them to use, and then you take it back at a certain time, or hopefully you get it back. Uh, not always is the case. But that's not what this word means here. The word lent Here means made him over. This is a complete and irrevocable giving up of the child to the Lord. She gave her son to worship God. She said in verse 27, For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition when I asked of him. She brought Samuel, just as she had promised in in her vow before God. God then praises her for her faithfulness. If you look with me at uh, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Hannah praises God for his faithfulness, and he, of course, had rewarded her uh, for her prayer of dedication, her love for God, her pouring out of her soul and spirit. And she gives herself, even, in a sense, back to God through this beautiful psalm of praise. There are three things that we see in this psalm uh, of praise here in verses 1 and 3. We can see that Hannah triumphs in God in his glorious perfections, and the great things that he has done for her. She recognizes that God is her salvation. In verse 1, I rejoice in thy salvation. And then we see also she praises God for his holiness. In verse 2, there is none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee. And she praises him in verse 3 for his knowledge. Talk no more so exceedingly proud. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. God knew her situation. God knew the problems that she was dealing with. Would God still have been just as holy and just as knowledgeable if he had waited to answer her prayer, or maybe not answered it in the way she wanted? I believe so. But God recognized her devotion and her love for him, and he wanted to uh, reach out and to help her with her faith, this woman of faith. Not always will God answer our prayers as we see that we think that we need to see see fit. But God always knows what is best, and we can trust in him. If our lives are completely dependent upon him, then we should not fear, we should not worry. 
In verses 4 and uh, following, let's read verses 4 through 8. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. Here we can see that Hannah takes notice of the wisdom and sovereignty of God and the ways it works out in the children of men. And particularly here in verse 4, the strong are weakened and the weak are strengthened when God so desires. When God sees fit. In verse uh, 4, the bows of the mighty men are broken. They that stumble and girded with strength. And then verse 5, they that were full have hired out themselves for bread. And they that were hungry see, so that the barren hath borne seven. We see here that the rich are soon impoverished and the poor are uh, strangely enriched. But it's all in God's perfect timing. And in his control. In verse 6, we read on, The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. Empty families are replenished and numerous families are diminished and made few. God is the sovereign God, sovereign Lord of life and of death. He is in total control. Verse 7 The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He brings some low and lifts up others. How often we are reminded of that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And as Hannah humbled herself before God and came before him in prayer with her petitions, believing that God would answer her prayer, God brought some low. We don't know what exactly happened to Penina and her children. According to this, her children waxed feeble. Um, Not sure exactly what went down there. And we don't know how many uh, children that Hannah had in the end, although it says that she hath borne seven. I don't think in three years' time it would be possible to bear seven other children uh, unless she had triplets or, or twins or something like that. But the number seven, of course, we know in Scripture is a number of perfection. And so this was a number that represented God in his perfection. So she used that, that number there, that the barren hath borne seven. God will bless those that humble themselves, and he will humble those that are proud. And then in verse 8, He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth, lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill, to set them among princes, and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he hath set the world upon them. He is all-powerful and all-knowing. God is the one that will judge and bring down. He is the one that has total power. How often we think we can go through our lives and that we have the strength to accomplish something or anything in our lives. But without him, we can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so in the midst of Hannah's difficult home situation, difficulty in not having children, she recognized that she needed to bring her petitions before this all-powerful, all-knowing God. We see also in verses 9 and 10 a prediction of the preservation 
and the advancement of all of God's faithful friends and then the destruction of all of his or their enemies. He will keep the feet of his saints. Who are the saints? Not New Orleans football team (laughs) or those that the Catholic Church has exalted. No, the Bible is pretty clear. All of us that are believers, those that have placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are the saints, okay? God will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Here we see once again that in this, uh, this prayer of thanks and of thanksgiving, that Hannah uh, recognizes God, first of all, for his holiness, his salvation, his holiness, and his knowledge. Also for his power, and then here for his judgment, that he will bring in his perfect timing to judgment those that are against him or against his anointed ones or his saints. How often uh, we look around us and see um, so much corruption and anti-God things going on. Even today, there are groups of people protesting in front of churches, uh, protesting in favor of murdering little babies. I think I saw the statistic this week. 63 million babies have been killed in America since Roe v. Wade. We don't deserve God's mercy as a nation. It's amazing that we are still even here. God will judge. You know, we wish that the judgment would come sooner and swifter, but it's not God's perfect timing, and God is still in control. As we look at Hannah and this song of praise that she gave, one of the most difficult experiences of a mother, I'm sure, would be to give up her own child. Here we see that Hannah just dropped off her young son at the temple to serve the Lord and to serve the priests there. But there's no sadness in her voice as she returns Samuel to God. She is full of thanks to God for answering her prayer. And we know that God abundantly blessed her. She breaks into praise as she realized that God has a plan for her child. She was thrilled to be the parent of a prophet, an instrument in God's work of salvation. Hannah serves as a great example of a woman of faith. In closing here, in just a couple of thoughts. Women, you are of great worth to God, whether or not you have a child. Lift up your head and realize that God loves you for who you are, not for what you do. He understands your sorrow and your pain, and he will meet you right where you are. For mothers, for grandmothers that are here, make it your mission to give your children to the Lord for a lifetime of dedicated service. There's no greater purpose and no higher honor than to have your children give their lives in service to the Lord. And for all of us, we can learn from Hannah's example that each one of us needs to grow in our relationship with God. If you want your kids to learn about God and to love him with all they've got, it's first got to be real in your own life. One Sunday, the story was told after a 
baby dedication or child dedication. A young family was driving away from church and little Johnny, the older brother, cried all the way home in the back seat of the car. His mother asked him three times what was wrong. Finally, the boy replied, the pastor said he wanted us to be brought up in a Christian home, but I want to stay with you guys. What an indictment. Mothers and fathers, if you want your kids to be brought up in a Christian home, make sure that Christ is at home first in your heart. If he is, then spend the rest of your life giving your children back to the Lord. They belong to him anyway. They are only lent to us for a time. I love my mom. I'm so thankful for her example. She lives in Illinois now, but ever since I can remember, she was saved when I was two years old, so I always remember being in church. But more importantly, my wife and my mother, every single day, are up early praying and reading God's word. And I know that they are praying for me. I'm so thankful for a mother that loves God and loves me enough to give me back to the Lord. And for a wife that loves my children as well and wants that for our home. So as we think about these things in this example of Hannah from Scripture, may the Lord encourage our hearts today to be faithful to him to be dedicated in our own lives to the Lord, to be faithful in praying for our families. And may God bless each of us, and especially you mothers today on Mother's Day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your love for us. Thank you that you loved us so much that you gave your son to die on the cross for our sins. Father, we are not worthy of your mercy and grace. We are wretched sinners. But you loved us so much, and your son loved us so much that he obeyed your will to go to the cross and shed his blood so that we could have forgiveness of sins when we confess them before you. Father, we thank you for those mothers over history that have been dedicated to God. There are so many numerous examples, but Lord, as we reflect on Hannah today from Scripture, Lord, we thank you that even in the midst of her difficult home situation, she knew that her only hope was in you, and she brought her petitions before you. And when she did that, she was calm in heart and spirit, was able to carry on to eat and to drink and to go on with life, knowing that you knew her situation, that you cared for her. Father, we thank you that you did provide for her and that she was willing to obey in her vow, and give her son back to you. Father, I pray that through all of these things that we looked at today, that we would find application in our own lives of being dedicated to you, no matter what our task in life is, whether it is to be a mother or father or grandparents, whatever, Lord, I pray that each one of us would have lives that are sold out to you and dedicated to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're